In the woods near the cabin and the river, there are all sorts of animals. Dave has counted more than seventy species and has drawn them on a chart in the cabin according to size. The chart hangs on the wall in his bedroom. His bedroom is the size of a black bear's den, says Dave, who actually crawled into a black bear's den once, after he and his dad made absolutely sure that no bear had been there for a long time. The biggest animal on Dave's chart, curiously, is not a bear, although there are some tremendous bears in these woods, but an elk called Lewis, who is half again as big as the biggest elk anyone has ever seen. Lewis may be the most hunted being in the long history of the mountain, says Dave's dad. You wouldn't believe how many people buy hunting permits every year for the express purpose of shooting Lewis. And every year someone claims they did so, and every spring, Lewis emerges again from the snowy wilderness of the woods, not at all dead, and looking slightly bigger, as if he'd spent the winter lifting weights in a cave somewhere. That is one mountainous elk so to speak, says Dave's dad, who says personally he will never shoot Lewis, even if he had the chance, out of respect for Lewis's remarkable persistence and intelligence in avoiding people who would like nothing better than to shoot him. And Dave's dad also refuses to even touch a gun anymore for various reasons. One of these days, if those hunters don't watch out, says Dave's dad, old Lewis is going to learn how to use a rifle and then it will be a Donnybrook and a brouhaha of rare proportions, which we would be wise to avoid. That is how Dave's dad talks, with words like Donnybrook and vainglorious and epistolary. And he just expects you to know what he's talking about, says Dave, as if you too had read every book in the town library and every book in the bookstore's lending library, and every book in the lost and found library at Timberline Lodge up the mountain where Dave's mom works in laundry services. You would think that my dad had gone to college, says Dave, but this is not so as yet. He wanted to go to college, but a war intervened, says my dad, and his personal compass got bruised and battered and set toward a new star. That's how he explains it when people ask him about his past. He never says much about being in the war, except that not going to college allowed him the extraordinary gift and privilege of meeting and subsequently courting Mom. Dad says if he had never been in the war and afterwards come up the mountain to get some peace and quiet and recover his shaken equilibrium, he never would have met Mom reading a book in the sun in the woods near the lodge. And if he had not met Mom he would not have the surpassing benediction of being allowed to be the dad not only of me, but my sister also. A clean sweep of the possible genders of children, says Dad. So that, really, rather than be all upset about missing college and having to be in a war, maybe he should be delighted at missing college, and filled with gratitude for having had the honor to serve his remarkable country in a war. However foolish war in general is, and especially in this particular case, was. This is how my dad talks, says Dave. Interesting, but at angles other than most people do. You have to listen pretty close when dad talks, partly because sometimes he doesn't talk at all for days, and then when he does talk, it sometimes seems like he is talking about something altogether other than what you thought you were talking about. But he's not. Dave is a regular guy. 
He is not particularly strong or athletic or brilliant in school or handsome or talented in music. He is a terrible skier, even though he lives on a mountain covered in snow every day of the year and people come from around the country to ski there, and most of his friends and schoolmates ski easily and well because they live there and everyone skis well, except for Dave. He is not much for snowboarding either or cross-country skiing, or snowshoeing, even though most of the kids he knows do those things well as well. He does like snow, and he likes sliding down the mountain on garbage can lids and old tire tubes, but he doesn't love snow like his classmates. Most of his classmates either love snow or say they do, and they have ambitions to be ski racers and snowboard stars and travel around in cool vans and get free money from ski and snowboard companies.